0: What's up everyone? Welcome to Art Pays Me. Uh, Today we have Kyle Carpenter on the show. This episode was recorded long before this pandemic craziness happened. So that's why we haven't mentioned it. And I'm sure the conversation would have gone a lot differently, especially as it uh, pertains to what's happening with client work and for creative industries and how people are Maintaining how some people are getting more work, some people are getting less work as a result of all of this. So some of it uh, has to be taken with that in mind. But I think it was a great conversation. And I was on Kyle's podcast called Clients from Hell uh, recently. And I think that was also a great conversation that you should definitely check out. But before we get into this interview, I'll just give you an update of what I've been working on this week. So I usually do a process called direct-to-garment for my more uh, painterly t-shirt designs. And I've been trying to figure out how to replicate that aesthetic as much as possible in screen printing. And um, it's been a fun little challenge and a little bit of a test of my, my skills. So I've been messing with that quite a bit this week. And I've also been um, busy updating my website and I'm pretty close to being done. So if you check it out, while I was doing the update, I decided to throw a bunch of things on sale. So I got a lot of items for like as much as 40% off. So for my listeners, I figured I'd also give you an additional discount. So if you enter the code podcast at checkout you get 20% off and you can check out my new product that I finally did update uh, that I mentioned last week and it's my aprons. So they are up and available on the site right now and you can get them for 20% off now with your discount. So uh, yeah, I hope everyone's been keeping busy and keeping positive this week. And uh, let's get into the show. What up, artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast, and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity, and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. All right, so welcome to Art Pays Me. This time we have kyle carpenter from clients from hell
1: hi how's it going
0: ah it's been great it's been great so kyle and i just recorded an episode from uh, his show so we'll be sure to link to that when that's coming out and we can uh we can do that up and uh, you should definitely check it out you'll learn a little bit more about me that i haven't shared on the show
1: Oh, sweet. I'm glad we've got the exclusive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you do exactly? Clients from hell, obviously. But what else?
1: Well, I'm a, I'm a writer and an editor is what I uh, tell people. Um, I'm a recovering academic. <laughs> Someone uh, I, I recently uh, quit a Ph.D. Oh, uh, which was a big deal. But I was studying English, English lit. And at some point, I realized, oh, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I started kind of diversifying what I was doing, getting client work on the side. And some of that client work wound up being um, actually editing the daily stories for clients from hell. Uh-huh. Um, I got hired by the former editor-in-chief, a guy named Bryce Bladen, who's a wonderful fella. He just put it out. He said, I need to subcontract this out. Is anybody interested? And I was like, oh, editing funny stories every day? Sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. So that was kind of it. And then I uh yeah, I have a I have a bunch of various uh, like blog uh clients. I do a lot of editing, I do grant writing, mm. just you know, cobbling together. At some point I figured out, oh, I, I write, I can write, I'll do that.
0: Right. And you're also a stand up comedian. Amateur. Amateur, okay.
1: that's a hobby thing, but I do love it.
0: Do you find like I was curious if if there's some like transferable skill between client interaction and stand-up comedy, or or do they even help?
1: Um, I don't know. Maybe if you can make someone laugh, chances are they're gonna like you. Ah, that's uh, that's a good one. But I, I I find I like people. Yeah. Typically, so I haven't had a lot of terrible clients. I think because a lot of my training came from reading every story submitted to clients from hell. Mhm. So I saw all the mistakes everyone else made all the time. Right. And was able to kind of be like, okay, don't do that.
0: Right. So I I really only recently found out about the Clients from Hell podcast, but I just remember from years ago just the I don't know if we call it memes because it was that long ago, but I just remember the sort of the stories popping up. Are they yeah. are they real
1: first of all? I mean, we receive them anonymously.
0: Okay, so you're um,
1: So the premise is that people are submitting things that happen to them. Yeah. I believe 95% of them. Mm-hmm. But I will say we do get some that uh, you can feel the, uh, the, the agenda behind some of them. You can feel them trying to make a point usually. Uh, and I just don't. We don't publish those. Got you. Uh, but any that we publish, I've never faked a story, I've never made one up, whole cloth, it's always something somebody said happened to them. Mm-hmm. So, I can't reach out into their heads and, and say, is this true? Yeah, yeah. But uh, to the best of our abilities, right. they're true stories.
0: So, like, what was the original premise? It Was, a, was it just a chance to give people an event?
1: Yeah, I think that was it. I think it was originally started by a, um, a startup incubator in Vancouver, B.C. Oh. Uh, and just as a side project, they started this website, opened it up to submissions, and pretty quickly found out people had a lot to say on the topic of clients from hell. So that was, I don't even know when it started. It was at least 12 years ago.
0: Uh, yeah, I was wondering, because I'm like, I definitely remember seeing this stuff a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense.
1: I would say maybe 15 years.
0: Wow. Yeah, so I've been doing this for about 15 years, actually. So, yeah. Okay. And you're currently based in Halifax.
1: I am currently based in Halifax, yeah. I moved I moved here from Vancouver, okay. uh, BC. Um, my partner uh, is doing her PhD here. And she's from the East Coast. Oh, ah, okay. So, uh, yeah, we, we made the move. And since I work from home, uh, you know, why not?
0: Right, right. And you grew up
1: in Vancouver? I grew up in BC. BC, okay. Uh, interior BC.
0: Okay, got you, got you. And um, so, what were, you, as far as like your childhood, you were a recovering academic. Did you ever feel like you had uh like creative inclination to I mean you're doing comedy now, like or were you like a creative writer or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I was a I was a bookish kid. Okay. I read a lot. Um and I loved comic strips. I read a lot of Calvin and Hobbes, The Far Side, Bloom County. Yeah. I loved comedy, I loved reading, I loved writing, and I loved drawing, mm. actually. Okay. But it's funny, in all that, um I tell this story People told me all the time, "Oh, you're going to be a comedian, or oh you're g- I wanted to be a comic book artist uh, me and, too. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, all that stuff. My grade seven English teacher told my mom that he figured I would be a professor, and that's the story she repeated for the rest of my life, which is kind of interesting. I'm not trying to put any guilt on yeah. your mom. <laughs> But it is funny that, you know, I got a lot of messages growing up about what I would be, but I, I find, um, you know, your parents or people important to you will reflect a certain image sure. that they want for you. And that's kind of what I funneled into, only to discover a oh, well into my life that, oh, this isn't a great fit anymore. So I've been really enjoying kind of finding other avenues to uh, tap into that creativity.
0: Okay. Cool. And I I was listening to an episode recently with a friend of mine, Mike Tanner, actually. Oh, yeah. And uh, kind of talked about, like, disappointment a little bit and, and that kind of stuff. So this is a, a little bit of a debate that, well, not a debate, but something I'm curious about mm-hmm. in terms of controlling the narrative of client communication. Uh Today, we tend to like digital communication, email, et cetera, et cetera. Every now and then I have clients that like to call. But then I, I was talking to someone else the other day and i like, I don't want to be on the phone at all. And they were like really pissed off at the idea that a client would want to call them. How do you feel about um, sort of directing clients in a certain way or are you like if they feel more comfortable communicating a certain way, then I'll communicate with
1: them? I mean, I think you definitely want to set your own boundaries where you're comfortable. Yeah. I think it's very easy to lose a connection with someone if you're just talking online mm-hmm. all the time. Uh like it's easy to read an email in the worst tone possible. Yeah. Like even, you know, if they if they don't use any exclamation marks, you assume they're angry right. with you, right? <laughs> But if there's someone who you're at all comfortable with, sometimes you'll interpret that a little more charitably and vice versa. So I think there is some use to putting a face to the name and kind of being uh, more personable with the people you're working with. But at the same time, everybody has different, uh, different boundaries, different thresholds. So I think you've got to find what works for you. But I would recommend keeping an openness to... The person behind those communications, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like um, just making sure that. Well, I guess you're, you're you're understanding who they are as an individual. They're understanding, and you're communicating what uh, works for you, and just basically growing that relationship in the best way possible. That's a mutual, uh, mutually beneficial.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, well, with that conversation with Mike, we talked about. The weird way you can feel guilty yeah about things and like if you miss a deadline in your own head you're like oh my god i'm in trouble yeah they hate me now <laughs> and in a lot of cases they haven't thought twice about it you know or if they have like it's minor annoyance and if you just tell them oh hey ran into some problems sorry yeah then it's fine so i think it is funny. We're more connected, but we're also more secluded and able to echo negative thoughts, if we let them.
0: For sure. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, um, in terms of the, the conversations you get, you get to have with all of these incredible uh, people, what do you enjoy most about that?
1: I love hearing how excited people are about solving problems. I think um, that's what I like about the creative process. I think once upon a time, when I was a younger, more pretentious person, I thought uh, you know art was ex- you know some incredible expression of wisdom or whatever, <laughs> and that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be like a wise person, but at some point, I realized for myself, I just like solving a problem in front of me, like. I love it when art is like doing math homework. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just, oh, yeah, there's a run it through. Perfect. And, um, you know, more to more or less, you know, depending. But listening to how people apply the same mindset uh, to their business that they apply to whatever creative process they have, I find really invigorating because that helps me think, okay, how do I move forward with
0: this? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I think that's probably what excites me about, like, the Art Pays Me concept as well. It's just, yeah. like, what happens when you put someone who's been taught their whole life that they uh, don't have sort of structured thinking or organizational skills or business skills or what happens if they are told to solve a business problem? It's, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. And just as a tangent, I think there's something weird about how schools separate so-called STEM yes. disciplines and art disciplines. Because artists solve problems, you know? Yep. Like, I've known, as far as like fine artists go, like visual artists, uh, half of the ones I know are some of the most intelligent, um, capable people I've ever met. And then the other half are kind of flakes. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, both both universes exist. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: and the, well, you know, and they both make great stuff. Yes. Know, so I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to discriminate against flakes. They're good people too.
0: But you know what, though, one thing I'm starting to 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 take into consideration now is that I really feel like what makes an artist and not an artist per se is mindset, because like, a lot of people have the skill to draw, or whatever the case may be, but I don't know if they're necessarily artists. And I don't know... And sometimes, like, I meet scientists, and their mind is just so wild. I'm just like, whoa, you're kind of an artist in, in the way you approach things.
1: Yeah. I, I might disagree a little bit. Okay. I, I completely respect yep, that, that, that perspective. go for it. But one thing I've learned, too, is... Um, people undervalue their own skill yeah. all the time. And they think, there's something about having it where you normalize it.
0: Yeah. You're like, oh if yeah. I can,
1: <laughs> if I can do this, everyone can do
0: this. This is a good point.
1: So I think it's really easy to um, say, well, I'm not an artist. That person's an artist. But we're all stuck in it, you know? Yeah. And I think we're all, I suppose it depends on how you apply it, but that division to me i you know i don't know it's so easy to to say either uh as a self-esteem problem like i'm not an artist that person is or on the flip side of a different self-esteem problem i'm an artist these people suck
0: yeah so so yeah it's a good point Uh, it's more so the idea of your self-representation your self-expression of yeah, because that is very good. I take that back because many people I've talked to have amazing talent, don't consider themselves artists or don't consider themselves whatever the case may be because of a lot of self-talk yeah, from, from stuff. So it's a good point. I take that back. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I will say in all this, uh, in the last few years, I took up, you mentioned at the beginning, stand-up comedy yeah. As as a hobby. I'm not expecting to make a career of it very limited opportunities for that in Canada but coming from an academic background i was encouraged to try to be smart all the time sure and to be the kind of smart that like hides the meaning of what you're saying behind complex terms or like a you know a discipline that hides all of its core concepts from a casual reader yes uh, finding comedy as as a tool was so great because you're supposed to be kind of dumb, and I was like, I get to be stupid. <laughs> this is the best thing in the world. So yeah, I love it. It was a great like uh, correction for me.
0: Mm. But you know what though, I'm a that that's a very good point. But also have to say that comedic, comedic minds are some of the sharpest.
1: Yeah, I think at at their best, it's about making fast connections or seeing logics that other people can't yeah. see. But at the same time, everyone loves a fart joke. So some
0: of them, are, yeah, it's true. Some <laughs> of them are just like, I'm just going to get this uh, fart joke off right now and, <laughs> and leave it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> true, true, true. So, uh, if there's any piece of advice you would give a freelancer that, um, you know, randomly approaches you, what would you say?
1: A lot depends on where they're already at. Okay. I think uh, if, if someone who wants to start freelancing, I would say do it part-time. Yes. Start from a stable base. Start doing it, figuring out, okay, how do I get going? That's what I did. It was the best thing I could have possibly done to do it part-time while I was still in a PhD program.
0: Mm.
1: Um, to someone who's in it, I would say just be in touch with people in your field and around your field. Be in touch with other creative professionals. Talk to them. Go to Hangouts. And don't get too secluded. Even if you're introverted and you work at home, like you've got to get out there and talk to people who have the same problems as you.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. A network is super important, not in the cheesy way, but like you just need people. You need referen- you need references, you need recommendations, you need community.
1: Yeah. And on that's I think a thing I learned from clients from hell. Everyone who submits these stories, doesn't matter how outlandish the story is, how ridiculous it sounds, if we hit publish, I guarantee you in the comments someone is saying that happened to me, <laughs> not the person who submitted it. Like, doesn't matter how bizarre, it happened to someone else.
0: Right, right. So anything uh, coming up that you uh, want to promote or anything like that?
1: Nah. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So where can people find you online?
1: Um, I'm on Twitter at uh, KcarCFH for clients from hell. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and if you want to hit me up on LinkedIn, I'm out there. I've got a big, smiling face with a beard and glasses. Uh, Very big head. So (laughs) if you see a dude with that, with my name on LinkedIn, it's probably me.
0: The Twitter Twitter one is a little scary, actually. Oh, what is that? I think you kind of have, like, a mean face or something.
1: Oh, that's a drawing I did of my celebrity lookalike, folk singer Dave Van Ronk.
0: Ah, okay, okay.
1: From uh, the cover of the Mayor of McDougal Street.
0: Okay, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) I didn't pick up the reference.
1: I mean, why would you? That's so specific.
0: (laughs) Cool. Well, Kyle, thank you very much for doing Art Pays Me.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. This was fun.
0: Cool. Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pays me podcast. Thank you to Langie Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at artpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest.